Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. Of course, on Easter, we celebrate the physical resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, sometimes, you know, we are so familiar with these truths. We've heard that our entire life, most of us, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we get so familiar with these tremendous truths that sometimes we kind of take them for granted. And they don't necessarily have the effect on us that they should have. But today we're going to celebrate the physical resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, Jesus offers us salvation from sin. The greatest need that every person has in their life is to be saved, is to be saved. Now, in today's politically correct world, that's not something, you know, that necessarily is acceptable to a lot of people. That kind of language is not something that they really accept and that they're really in tune to, to say, you know, that you need to be saved. In today's world, people will often respond, well, saved from what? You know, to be saved means that you sense that you're in a, a place of danger, that you have a need, that there's, there's some kind of danger that's closing in on you, and you need to be saved, you need to be delivered. And a lot of people don't know what, what they need to be saved from. What we need to be saved from is our sin. We're all sinners. Now, don't be offended if I tell you you're a sinner because I'm one too. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And sin, as it is defined in the Bible, is to violate the laws and the commands of God, to violate the nature of God, to be rebellious against God, to go our own way, the way that we want to go and not God's way. And we've all been guilty of that. We've been guilty of that in little ways and big ways and all kinds of ways. And we've been guilty of that kind of rebellion against God many times in many ways in many situations. But God is a God of grace and mercy. We're born with a fallen nature and we're, we're sinners by nature and by birth. We, we're born with a sinful nature and then when we get old enough to know better, we still choose to sin. And so we need to be saved from sin. The greatest need in your life is to be saved from the penalty of sin, which is eternal separation from God. To be saved from a lost life, a wasted life, and to be saved from a lost eternity. And God wants to save you from your sin. Even though we've sinned against God, it is God who wants to save us. And it is God who only can save us. And so God has done what is necessary to be done to save us from our sin. And he did that the only way it could have been done. He sent his only begotten son into this world. God himself, Jesus, the son who became a human being. And Jesus made our salvation possible. He made our salvation possible by his miraculous birth, by his perfect life, by his sacrificial death, and by his glorious resurrection. All of those elements 
are a part of the salvation that Jesus makes possible for us. And each one of them is essential. And each one of them is important. We're not just saved by the death of Jesus on the cross. We're saved by his his miraculous birth, his perfect life, which qualified him to be an acceptable sacrifice to God, his sacrificial death in which he took our sins upon himself, and his glorious resurrection. We're saved by all of those things that are true of Jesus. Now today I want to take just a little time to look at each one of those elements. Now we've already talked about the birth of our Lord. Christmas time is not that far in the past from us. And we've talked a lot about the birth of our Lord. But let's talk about the life of Jesus. The Bible teaches that Jesus is God. Now, if you're God, you're going to show it. You're going to demonstrate it. And Jesus did show it and demonstrate it in his life by the things he did, by the things he said, by the effect of his life upon mankind. The Bible teaches that Jesus is God. He's the second person of the triune God. We worship one God who is the perfect union of three divine persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about it if you can't understand the Trinity. I can't understand the Trinity. There's no human being on the face of the earth that's ever been able to understand how we worship one God who is the perfect union of three divine persons. We don't worship one God. We worship one God. No one's ever been able to understand that. But that's all right. Because if God is God, there's going to be some things we can't fully comprehend about him. He is infinite. We are finite. Our brains can't handle all that there is that is true about God. And the Bible doesn't try to explain the triune nature of God. It just presents it as true. And I accept it as true. Even though I don't understand it. And how can it be? But, you know, I don't worry about it. I don't know how I can take that little bag of popcorn, put it in my microwave, hit the popcorn button on the microwave, and three and a half minutes later, I have popcorn. I don't understand that. If I can't understand how that works, how can I understand the triune nature of God? I don't understand how a brown cow can eat green grass and give white milk. But if I, if I can't understand that, how can I understand the triune nature of God? It's true. And the Bible teaches that Jesus is God who came into this world as a human being through the miracle birth of the incarnation. Incarnation means God carnate, God in the flesh. Jesus came into this world as God in the flesh through the miracle of the virgin birth. The birth of Jesus was real. All of that that we celebrate at Christmas time about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem and the stable and the angels and the wise men, all of that was real. It's historical. It happened. It's not a Hollywood script. It's not a myth. It's not something made up. The birth of Jesus was real. It's history. It's history. The life of Jesus is real. He really did live. There really was a man by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, supposedly, and the son of Mary. The life of Jesus was real. The Bible gives us a description of that beautiful, wonderful, most powerful life that has ever been lived. You'll find it in the pages of the Bible. Jesus is a person of history. He did do all those miracles. He did say all of those words in red. His life was real. Jesus was born. And he lived a perfect life without sin. And he did all of those things. 
Can you accept that as true? The life of Jesus was real. The Bible teaches about the death of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that when, when he was 33 years of age, Jesus was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was convicted of crimes that he did not commit. The Bible tells us then that Jesus was put to death by the Roman government. He was put to death in one of the most horrible ways that a person can die. Death by crucifixion. Now, I'm not going to give you the details of what a person went through as they died on the cross. Death by crucifixion. But there was no more, has been no more torturous way to put a human being to death than by the crucifixion, by cru crucifying someone. And the Bible gives us a detailed account of the crucifixion of Jesus. Before Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was brutally and savagely beaten by Roman soldiers. They made it a sport. They took delight in, in brutalizing those that they were about to put to death. And Jesus was brutally, savagely beaten by these Roman soldiers. He then, as Brother Chuck's song described, was forced to carry his cross to the place of execution. And there Jesus was literally, literally, literally nailed to a cross. Lifted up. And the Bible tells us as he's in the middle cross, there's two convicts. There's two criminals who were guilty of their crimes crucified on either side of him. The Bible tells us that Jesus was on that cross for six hours. From 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And during that time when Jesus was on the cross, he spoke seven times. He was taunted. He was mocked by the crowd. He suffered unimaginable physical trauma. And then the Bible says that Jesus died. The life of Jesus was real and the death of Jesus was real. It was witnessed by many people around the cross. And people saw Jesus there. And they heard Jesus on the cross. And they saw him die. But the Bible says that the death of Jesus on the cross, there was more to his death than the human eye could see. There were things as Jesus died that they could see and hear and experience as Jesus was on the cross. But behind the scenes... In the spiritual world, in the invisible world, there was more to the death of Jesus on the cross than the human eye could see. Because the Bible says that the death of Jesus on the cross was a sacrificial death. The Bible says that the death of Jesus on the cross was a death in which he gave himself as a sacrifice for those who were in need. Jesus did not die for any wrong he had done. Jesus had done no wrong. He had lived a perfect and sinless life. Jesus died on the cross for the wrongs we have done. Jesus died on the cross for you and me. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We all of us 
have turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. On the cross, Jesus died the death that we deserve because of our sins. That means that during the six hours that Jesus was on the cross, the sins of all mankind, including your sins and my sins, all sins were transferred to Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died the death that we deserve because of our sin and rebellion against God. Jesus said this of himself in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. For many, Jesus said, I came to give my life a ransom. I came to pay a price to set someone free. A ransom is what you pay to set someone who has been captive free. Jesus said, I came to, to pay a price to set someone free. That someone was you. That someone was me. Jesus came and he paid the price, the ransom, to set us free from the penalty of our sin. Romans 5, 8. God proves his own love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 9 and 10. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. 1 Peter 3, verses 18 and 19. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all. The just, he's the just, for the unjust. That's us. That he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The life of Jesus was real. And the death of Jesus was real. He came into this world, God in the human, in human flesh, and he lived a perfect life. Then he was arrested. He put on the cross. But there was a purpose to his death that the world couldn't see at that time. And that purpose was to give himself as a ransom for you and I. I don't know if you believe this. I pray that you do. Jesus Christ died for you. Yeah. He died for you. There's a good old gospel song. When he was on the cross... I was on his mind. That's literally true. Yes, Jesus died for the world, but he died for the world one person at a time. He died for each and every one of us. Now, the Roman soldiers who put Jesus to death on the cross were experts at killing. They knew how to kill. And they were under orders. No one comes off of that cross unless they're dead. And so to just to make sure that Jesus was dead... They took the body of Jesus and they plunged a spear into his side, into his heart. Jesus died on the cross. And during those hours, unseen to the world, he died for us. The Bible then says that Jesus was buried. The Bible says that after Jesus died on the cross, his, his bloodied and bruised body was claimed by two of his followers. Have you ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ? It's a great movie, but it's hard to watch. It's a great movie, but it's hard to watch. Because you see the depiction of the cross. But can I tell you this? 
whatever that movie depicts as the death of Jesus, how he was beaten before the, he went to the cross, how he died on the cross and all the brutality that Jesus suffered, whatever is depicted in that movie doesn't even begin to compare to the reality of what happened to Jesus. After he died on the cross, two of his followers went to the Roman authorities and they claimed the body of Jesus. These men took the body off the cross and then they washed the body of Jesus. And then in a very hurried manner, because they had only three hours to do all of this before the Jewish Sabbath would begin, in a very hurried manner, they prepared the Jesus for, uh, body of Jesus for burial. They put spices on his body. They wrapped him in a shroud. They buried Jesus in a tomb not far from where Jesus had died. One of these two followers said, let's put Jesus in my tomb. <laughs> the one I have prepared for myself. He can have my tomb. Some of the women who followed Jesus in his ministry watched where Jesus, the body of Jesus was buried. And then these women formulated this plan. They intended, as an act of love for their Savior, to come back to that tomb after the Sabbath day to better prepare the body of Jesus for burial. They wanted to, to do it in a better way. They knew it, the body of Jesus was prepared for burial in kind of a haphazard, half-done way. They wanted to do a better job as an act of love for Jesus. Then Jesus was buried in a tomb. The, th the death of Jesus was real. His burial was real. Now, after Jesus was buried, the Jews who had falsely accused Jesus went to the Roman governor and they said, we want you to secure the tomb of Jesus with a guard because we have heard him say, and, and, and we're afraid that some of the, his disciples will come and break into that tomb and steal his body and then spread the rumor that, and the lie that Jesus had risen from the grave. So we want you to put a Roman detachment around the tomb of Jesus. Pilate said, all right, well, go ahead. Get some of your own soldiers. And we'll put a Roman seal on it. That way, if you, anybody tries to break into that tomb, they're breaking Roman law and they'll suffer great consequences for that. We'll put a seal on that. We'll assign guards to guard the tomb of Jesus. Can you imagine that? They hated him so much in life, then they hated him even after he died. They wanted to secure that tomb, and so they did. Now, what happened to the disciples of Jesus after he died? Bless their hearts. They went into hiding. They hid themselves. They were afraid they were going to get arrested. They were afraid they were going to meet the same fate as Jesus. So here's what happened. After Jesus died, his body was taken off the cross. It was quickly prepared for burial. It was put into a tomb. And then sundown came. And that's when the Sabbath began. And so all day Saturday, which was the Jewish Sabbath, the disciples who were shocked and saddened and confused hid. They were hiding from the Roman authorities. They didn't know what to do next. They were afraid. So they found a hiding place and they hid. And every time there was a knock on the door, it scared them to death. They thought the Romans were coming for them. With the disciples, there were some women 
Bless these women's heart. They love Jesus. So here was their plan. After the Sabbath, when the stores opened, which would be at 6 p.m. on Saturday, when the Sabbath was over, we'll go into town, we'll buy some supplies that, that we need to better prepare the body of Jesus for burial. And then we'll wait for early Sunday morning to go to the tomb. And somehow, someway, we'll try to convince somebody to open the tomb of Jesus so that we can get in there and better prepare his body for burial. Now, they didn't know how they were going to do that. They didn't know how they were going to convince these, these Roman soldiers to open the tomb, especially with a Roman seal on it. But these women had faith. They loved Jesus. They had this plan. They didn't know how it was going to happen, but they decided they were going to walk by faith and see if it could happen so they could better prepare the body of Jesus for burial. God bless these women. Sometimes you have to walk by faith. Do you know that? Sometimes you have to act like you know what's going to happen when you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. But God wants you to do it. You feel it in your heart. You need to do it. So sometimes you do it even though you don't know what's about to happen. So early that morning, these ladies got up. Unbeknownst to them, as they were preparing to make their way to the tomb, an earthquake hit. Now, it's a kind of an interesting earthquake. It was not a massive earthquake. It didn't affect the entire area. An earthquake hit that only affected where the tomb of Jesus was. This is a localized earthquake. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake. I was in an earthquake one time and I didn't even know it. I thought the washing machine was, was rinsing out and shaking the whole house. Remember that? You live in some of those flimsy houses like we've lived in and the washing machine would, you know, spit out the water and it, you know, everything would shake. And I thought that's what we were going through. Came on TV, we just went through an earthquake. Well, early that Sunday morning, an earthquake hit not around in all over the place, but right there at the tomb, an earthquake hit. And then an angel came down. And that big old massive stone that they had put in, the, in front of the tomb of Jesus probably weighed about two tons. This huge stone with this Roman seal on it. Earthquake hit, this angel came down. And he goes, and that stone rolls over. And you know what he, I love this. You know what he did? He moved the stone and then he sat down on it. <laughs> he sat down on that stone like, good morning, Roman soldiers. <laughs> the Bible says when the Roman soldiers saw that, they fainted like they were dead. I don't know if I wouldn't faint either. I faint in anything, apparently. So if I saw an angel come down and do all of that, I might faint too. Well, these soldiers guarding the tomb, they passed out. When they came to, that angel's still sitting there. And you know what they did? They ran. They went back to Jerusalem to make a report. We don't want no part of this. And so here comes these women. About, time all, about the time all that commotion is over, these women arrive at the tomb. 
They see the stone roll away. The tomb is empty. Bless their hearts. They go down into the tomb and two angels appear to them. The angel that had moved the tomb called one of his buddies. And these women went down in there and they're all confused. And these angels, you know what these angels said? He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. And they ran back to tell the disciples, those scroungy disciples didn't believe them. Peter and John, you know, they said, well, we better go find out what they're talking about. So they run to the tomb. Mary Magdalene stays behind. Bless her heart. She loved Jesus so much. Jesus appears to her. If you don't know the story, read the story. So Jesus arose from the dead. The Bible says for 40 days he appeared off and on to his disciples. And then Jesus ascended into heaven after 40 days. And he gave this promise. And the Bible gives this promise. As he ascended into heaven, so one day he will come again in like manner. So Jesus was buried and he arose from the grave. Now the body of Jesus that came out of that grave was the same body that went into that grave, but it was different. That old bloodied body that was buried came out of that grave cleansed and glorified. And that's what's going to happen to you and I in the resurrection of the believers. Our old bodies get wore out, diseased, and beat up. And one of these days they're going to be buried. But when Jesus calls our body from that grave, we're going to be raised glorified. Amen. Glorified. Made fit for glory. And so Jesus, his birth was real. His life was real. His death was real. His burial was real. And his resurrection is real. He who died rose again. Now quickly, let me tell you what the resurrection means to you and I today. First of all, Romans 1.4 says that the resurrection of Jesus Christ declares like no other evidence that Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 1 verses 3 and 4. Jesus Christ our Lord was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of, from the dead. That which proves that Jesus is God, the Son of God. That ultimate proof that he is the Son of God is the fact that he arose from the dead. The fact that Jesus died proved he was human. His resurrection proves that he is God. So the resurrection proves that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, the New York Times had an ugly, ugly, ugly. I don't read the New York Times. You know? But they had a, such an ugly op-ed about God. And they did it on Easter. What in the world's wrong with these people? Just so ugly, ungodly. There's so many people. Listen. One of these days, we're going to stand before this God. One of these days, we're going to stand before him and give an account to him for how we have lived the life that he's given us. When I stand before Jesus, 
I want him to be my savior and not my judge. He's already judged my sin. My sins have already been judged. Jesus is the son of God. Second of all, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's certification that his death on the cross was accepted by God as a sacrifice for our sins. If Jesus had not risen, without the resurrection, the cross would be nothing. If Jesus had died and stayed in the grave and his body decayed, then that means that the cross was not real as a sacrifice for you and I. The fact that Jesus rose again from the dead proves that his cross, what he did at the cross, was an acceptable sacrifice for our sins. Thirdly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the, the dead declares that Jesus has won the victory over Satan, sin, death, and the grave. Now, those are four formidable foes that you and I face. Satan, sin, death, and the grave. Now, how are you going to win the victory over that? How are you going to have victory over that? Over Satan, over sin, over death and the grave. How are you going to win victory over that? You can't win victory over that. But if you believe in Jesus, he shares his victory with you and I. Ha! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you give your life to Christ, he shares why he, his victory. That's why we sing victory in Jesus. He shares his victory with you and I. Fourthly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that Jesus is alive. He's the living Lord and Savior. And listen to me. He will save anyone, anywhere, any place who calls upon him in repentance and faith. He's alive. And he is willing to save anyone. Anyone. No matter who they are. No matter what they've done. No matter the sins they've committed. He's willing to save anyone who will call upon him in faith and repentance. He's alive. He's alive. And he's willing to save anyone. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. Well, God knows what you've done and he's still willing to save you. His grace is greater than our sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His grace is greater than our sin. And he'll save anybody. Preacher, can he save me? I've been an old drunk. Yeah, he can save you. He's done that many times. And he'll change you too. He won't leave you the way you are. When he saves, he changes. He don't just leave you the way you are. He gives you a new heart, new mind, new spirit. He changes who you are on the inside. Preacher, can he save me? I'm an old drug addict. Yes, he does that every day. He saves and he changes. Can you, Preacher, can he save me? I committed adultery. Yes. He'll save you and he'll change you if you truly repent and come to him. He's a living Savior, willing to save and forgive all who will come from him or come to him. Fifthly, the resurrection of Jesus means he's always present with us. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living no matter what men may say. You know how I know he's living today? I had a good long conversation with him this morning. I had a good long conversation with my Savior. And I, Jesus saves, He secures, He strengthens, He blesses, He uses us, He never lets us go. 
Jesus is present with those who will trust in him. He's alive. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And you can always believe in him and trust in him. And he'll always be with you. Sixthly, the resurrection of Jesus means that heaven is real. And it is the eternal home of all who trust in him. Jesus ascended into heaven. And you know what he said? Recorded in John chapter 14, he goes to prepare a place for us in heaven. And if he goes and prepare, prepares a place for us in heaven, he will come one day and take us to be with him. For where he is, we're going to be there too. How about that? Is that not good news? The resurrection of Jesus means that heaven is real. The resurrection of Jesus means that he's coming again. The one who arose is coming again. And he's not coming next time as a baby. And he's not coming next time to die on the cross. He's coming next time to set up his kingdom. He's coming to deliver his people. To judge those who have rejected him. To cleanse the earth of the curse and the contamination of sin. To rule on this earth for a thousand years with his saints and holy angels. And then to usher in the new heaven and the new earth. Resurrection of Jesus. It means everything. It means everything. Now, as Christians, we should celebrate this day. Amen? Amen. And we should be ready and, and willing, no matter what venue we might find ourselves in, to speak of our Savior because He's alive. Thank God for who He is and what He's done for us. And if you're not a Christian, He died for you. He died for you. Say, so I don't believe that. Well, if you don't believe that, then you're saying that what God has recorded in his word is not true. Well, how can I know that? Because God has said it. It's in his word. And there's a still small voice in your, your heart right now that tells you it is true. It is true that he died for you rose again that you might be saved and i encourage you to be saved today how can i be saved today you can be saved like i was saved i was in a church similar to this sitting on the front pew took three steps took the preacher's hand and you know what i told the preacher on that day i'm lost and i want to be saved and he introduced me to jesus and i called upon him in faith and repentance and jesus saved my soul and i ain't got over it yet <laughs> He saved my soul, and He will save you too. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truth For Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe, and may God bless you.